Welcome to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter. Sponsored by Government Marketing University. Here's today's moderator, Luann Brosman. Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network. I am really excited about today's topic, which is insights from expert federal sales leaders, standing up your federal sales organization and effectively driving revenue at the end of fiscal year, also referred to as the busy season. So we have two great experts on our panel today. Uh, We have Aaron Holly, who's the Vice President of Federal of Instabase, and we also have Clark Campbell, who is the Vice President of Civilian Pertanium. Also joining me today, as usual, is Stephanie Geiger. Uh, Stephanie is the co-founder and Senior Vice President of Government Marketing University, which is now part of the GovExec platform. I am the founder and strategic advisor for GMarkU, and we're really happy that you're all on today listening to this podcast. So first thing, I'd like to toss it over to Aaron um, of Instabase. And Aaron, just tell us a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Great. Thank you so much, Luann. It's nice to be here today with everyone. I am the vice president of Instabase. And what essentially that means is that I'm taking the past 25 plus years experience developing innovative business strategies to really help companies like Instabase that are startups with really strong, significant uh, exposure and presence within the commercial sector and bringing that um, capability into the federal marketplace. My whole goal is to hopefully hopefully allow us to maximize revenues and achieve some really critical business objectives and mission targets for the agencies around the federal government. And I'm thrilled to be here today. So thank you for the opportunity. Oh, you're so welcome. So excited to have you here with your background. and, And I know you have a lot of great insight for our listeners. Okay, Clark, how about you? Thanks, Luann. So again, Clark Campbell, Vice President of Civilian at Tanium. I have been in the public sector enterprise software business for 30 years, from inside sales to being an individual contributor to running a line of business. My background includes a decade at Oracle, immediately followed by a decade starting up a federal sales team that was initially at a 35-person company to being then in sales management roles at medium-sized software companies. So I've seen a little bit of everything. Uh, yet the great thing about sales is you always get to learn new things all the time, which has made my journey uh, so enjoyable. Thank you, Luann. Absolutely. Oh, you're so welcome. And again, I know our listeners are in for a treat today with the, the great information. So Stephanie, my sidekick here, co-host of Market Chat, I'm going to pass it over to her, who's going to start really asking some important questions that we're going to get some great answers for. So Stephanie, take it away. Great. Thanks, Luann. And thank you so much, Aaron and Clark, for joining us today. You know, it's interesting. We did a um, market entrance webinar uh, a couple months ago, and the amount of new government contractors that are coming into this space has substantially increased over the years. And so the insights that you guys are going to share are going to be really helpful for folks that are considering this as a, a new Equinex helps to, federal aid uh, some uh, revenue as the well as the boards of government. So why don't we get started with um, talking a little bit about what are some of the suggestions you would recommend to a federal sales leader that's standing up a new Um, federal sales organization. Erin, why don't we start with you? Thank you, Stephanie. I would say first and foremost, um, hopefully if you're in that position now, if you're the federal sales leader, my hope for you is that you interviewed really, really well and everything you laid out in your go-to-market strategy is understood by not only your C-suite, but also your board. Because without that, you don't want to walk in on day one and and lay out this new plan of this whole world of federal and everything being a surprise to them. So hopefully they have um, sat down, they've understood what you're looking for in terms of the resources you need, the infrastructure that you need to support your, your company building out a federal presence. They understand everything from federal contracting and why it is that you're going to bring in certain resources to that to that organization. And they're giving you that complete ability to grow and, and uh, develop your team in the right, in a meaningful way for, for the federal sector to be successful for your company. Funny, I, um, I heard a joke about the federal space that like you want to be the third federal VP, not the first federal VP, because the first one is having to do all of that education and then the third one is benefiting from all of the, the foundation that was laid in order to uh, build out those revenue goals. Clark, how about you? So now you tell me that joke. <laughs> um, so I would say ditto to what Aaron said, but I'll elaborate. So it's truly making sure that you understand and have also influenced corporate expectations on revenue growth 
the investments and the, and the headcount that you're going to be hiring. Determine if you're a startup in a startup or a startup in more of a mature company. So for example, do people actually know of your solution or has no one ever heard of your company? Learn to translate the federal lexicon into commercial language, UFER, CDM, FATARA, FISMA, FedRAMP, the impact level, STIGs, ATOs, because those are things that typically most commercial companies have never heard of. Also, it is extremely important to define what the federal territory is up front. Like, for example, Amtrak is a federal account. You should also figure out if you want the quasi-government organizations and the federal SIs under the federal umbrella, if you desire, like the World Banks and the Lockheed Martins of the world. And if you do have the federal uh, SIs involved in your area federal, you should have the sell to and the sell through to make sure that there is no conflict in the sales message to the Lockheeds, to the uh, Lidoses of the world, et cetera. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah, that's a great thing. A great point. I think, you know, the necessary infrastructure is a, a huge component in making sure that there's some clear understanding of kind of the boundaries of where commercial and federal start and stop um, makes it a lot uh, smoother for sales organizations and the internal teams to support them. What about, um, you guys have both been doing this for a while. So um, some lessons learned from your experience as it relates to, um, you know, the stand-up of a federal practice. Why don't we start with you first, first clerk? So as the first VP in one place, you need to learn the cupboards are bare. There are no leads. There is no marketing. There is no customers. There are no partners. There is no revenue for six to nine months, if not potentially longer, depending on what the brand awareness is of your company. Please ask for a creative compensation plan, whether that's additional equity, low, lower quota, recoverable draw, guarantees, because there may not be any commissions for a while. Expect to be carrying a bag again but make sure you have a VP title, even if you're only the VP of you, because C-levels wanna be able to talk to VPs. And also one of the things I've learned over the years is make sure you explain to the commercial reps in your company that GSA pricing is now the new floor for discounting. While there can be exceptions to that, try to eliminate discounting and potential challenges with your GSA schedule pricing going forward. Thank you, Stephanie. That's great, thanks, Clark. How about you, Aaron? Yeah, I would agree with what uh, Clark was saying. I think it is really important that your executive team understands that the um, federal government is not what they might think it is. There's not really this tree in the backyard with this endless, you know, um, pile of money for you to go after at any certain time. So for me, I think that you need to be very clear up front and have expectations of what you believe that can be delivered in a meaningful way. Ultimately, I think if you're going to be branching out into the federal sector, you should be doing it for the reasons that it's to support the national uh, interest, it's to support the country, it's to support the mission. And that is very different from looking at um, what ROI is coming in from a bank or how they can drive more revenue that way. And so for me, um, I think you have to spend quite a bit of time coming in. And some of the lessons that you will understand right off the bat is that the nomenclature and what they're walking into, executives from your commercial entity, they're not entirely sure of what's what's going to happen in the federal space. So take some time and really make a good effort to do some education and, and make it clear that this is a, a space that's really important to our country and why they should be patient with you and your team and give you the resources that are appropriate to be successful in this space. That's a really interesting um, lens to kind of put on it, Aaron. And I also feel like both of you guys shared a common theme of kind of transparency and like no sugarcoating, right? You've got to get pretty real, I think, with your um, leadership to help them understand through the education that this isn't going to be some low-hanging fruit short cycle. There's going to be some investments that need to be put into it, the right infrastructure to really see it through um, and be successful. So, um, you know, I know you talk a lot about kind of the education around a longer, longer buying cycle, and I feel like that's a really critical component. What are some of the must-haves, do you feel like? So um, I'm sure there were lots of those as you were getting started and kind of navigating um, some of these earlier roles. But now uh, looking back on your career and, and seeing what would have helped you I guess, uh, a little bit more short track towards success, right? So what are some of those must-haves in standing up a new federal practice? Aaron, let's start with you. Having that support right off the bat, Stephanie, is critical. If you don't have the senior executives in the board, which I'm very fortunate that I do with my company at Instabase, they understand and recognize the importance and the value that the federal government can provide to the company and to the bottom line. And so 
right off the bat, making sure that that piece as a must-have is part of your practice that you spend half your time educating and evangelizing internally and the other part externally to your you know, ultimate customer base. Um, I'd also, uh, in addition to that, I would say that the resources that you bring in startups and coming into the federal entity is not for the faint of heart. And so really finding those A players, the people that who are willing to work really hard. This is not a nine to five environment. Coming into the federal government, especially with startups who are building out you know, their first time of practice here, they need to realize that nobody's really sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, um, but you need to have that tenacious go-to go attitude, can-do attitude to, bre- to bring in people that will really turn over every rock and cre- help create that vision and a strategy for your prospects in the federal space. When you're, when you're delivering, for instance, artificial intelligence and machine learning into a federal agency and people are like, uh, yeah, I think I get it. You need to really be able to be patient and take some time with that and know that a lot of the effort that you're going to be doing is, is just that. It's education, it's marketing, it, it's explaining even sometimes what those terms mean. And so what you want to get to is you want to make sure that your team and your executives understand you need to have a team that is willing to go the long haul with you. And that's for me really critical. I'm not looking for anybody who has on their on their um, resume, Stephanie, oh, I was six months here, I was one month here, I was two months there. I'm that, I'm that VP that comes in and I'm there for the long haul. I'm the first one in the door and I'm often the last one, you know, out the door because I want to make sure that I bring in that same type of person into the into the organization. They're they're not here for a quick win. They know that it's a marathon and not a sprint uh, supporting federal. And I and I love it. So I think that's a, a must have is get people who are who are in it for the long haul. I like that because you're almost having your own little like entrepreneurial spirit right inside of your federal practice, and so you have to um, invite others to join you in that journey. And I think one of the things that I've often seen as a mistake is that companies, instead of hiring somebody out of VP level, go with like an account executive and they do this whole like wait and see mode um, mm-hmm. and not really making the right investment. Um, and same thing with marketing, you know, they'll hire an entrance level marketing individual versus either outsourcing to somebody that's more high level and can be strategic. And then everybody just gets frustrated because you're not seeing that that level of return that you're expecting, or you're not being able to get out there and do the types of um, you know, strategies and tactics that are going to be critical as a sales organization to help, you know, move the needle for you guys. Yeah, um, Clark, sorry, sorry. I was just going to see your absolutely point on. And I think when I came into this company back in the fall, I said, listen, you're doing a phenomenal job with Instabase across the financial ser- services sector, but I need somebody and I need a marketing team and an organization that can help me lock in on what matters and what the messaging needs to be for federal. And so that's critical. If you if you get that support and you can use those outsourced resources that understand this space because it is so different, it's just it's the it's the difference between being successful for a really long time or having a quick win. Right. Right. I agree. Clark, anything else you'd like to add for some of the must-haves? Yes, it is making sure that you detail to corporate the barriers to selling in federal. So it's not just the federal certifications. It is, hey, we're going to have resellers on every potential deal. We're going to need outside business development consultants that understand this space that can help us get some meetings. Oh, we're going to need legal expertise that understands the FAR because nobody understands the FAR. We're going to be needing to go to a multiple uh, of events and conferences. We're going to need to be joining associations like FCA, ACT, IAC, Affirm. We may need additional help for RFP responses because government RFPs are a little complex. So there is a variety of areas that need to be addressed that cost real money that you don't want to bring someone in who is on their first rodeo. The expectation is that the money's available in federal. It is the fortune one. They're going to spend $80 billion on IT pretty much every year, and that's not even including shadow IT. Uh, Even under a CR, it's pretty good in federal to be able to, if you have a sound strategy, unless there's sequestration, which hopefully we never see again. But the reality is, is what you were talking to, Stephanie, you can't bring in someone who's never managed a sales team and think you can start federal that way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so it's so interesting that you're not only, you know, working your, your tails off to sell externally, right, and hopefully move the needle and bring the revenue in. But as you both had mentioned, you're spending about 50 or if not 60% of your time really selling and educating internally in order to really um, set that up for success. 
Um, if you feel like, you know, somebody was a, let's say a sole contributor when standing up a federal practice versus having a team, is there like maybe one top priority that you absolutely must need to make sure that you have in order to at least start putting in place, you know, the right infrastructure as you go forward? That's such great insight. And, you know, one thing before we go to break that I took a lot of takeaways. I've been taking notes like crazy team. But one thing that really stood out is the whole mention of the SIs, the federal systems integrators. And I really want our listeners to think about um, as either you're standing up a practice or you've been brought on to be the marketer for a new federal organization is don't forget the federal SIs. They can really be your best friend and they should be a very high priority um, as you're looking to grow your business for so many ways. And we can talk a little bit more about that as the program goes along, but we need to take a break. So please uh, stay with us as we talk about insights from expert federal sales leaders. You're listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network. Government Marketing University is an innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. Experts from all corners of the U.S. public sector marketplace Marketers, thought leaders, government, media, and sales are contributing their knowledge to this unique, content-rich platform. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and community resources all in one place. Learn more at gmarku.com. Welcome back to Market Chat by Government Marketing University and Federal News Network, where we bring clarity to the clutter in government marketing. In this episode of Market Chat, we're talking about insights from expert federal sales leaders. And we have with us on this broadcast, Aaron Hawley, who's the VP of Federal for Instabase, and Clark Campbell, who is the VP of Civilian for Tanium. This is Luann Brossman. Uh, I am the founder and strategic advisor for GMRQ. And we have Stephanie Geiger, who is the co-founder and senior vice president um, of Government Marketing University. And Stephanie, I'm going to pass it back over to you again. And we've got a lot of questions now talking about busy season, which is a very important time of year for all of us. Yeah, absolutely. So busy season, July 1st through September 30th, and um, lots of activity happening. I know personally, as a marketer back in the heyday, you were staying late, you're making sure the sales teams were fed and having money machines and all sorts of other glorious things to keep the sales teams activated. But uh, it's definitely evolved over the years, and there's been some interesting spending bills that have come to make what I think this busy season to be a little bit more exciting than others. Um, so I'm excited to uh, dig in a little bit with Aaron and Clark and talk about what that looks like. Um, so Aaron, let's start with you. What insights um, can you share with our audience about what federal sales organizations should be doing now um, in preparation for end of buying season? It's a great question. I mean, and I think, Stephanie, the reality is that there have been a lot of delays to the budget being passed, which is not unusual for those of us who have been in this space for a long time. And we know that there's a lot of money that's out there, but there's also a lot of inactivity. And what I mean by that is that I'm seeing a lot of people who are on the hedge about, oh, should I do something or should I not do something? And so my question would be to the agency and to my sales team is, well, how else are they going to spend the money? They have to spend it before, you know, the end of this cycle. And so go to your customers, talk to them, make sure that you're staying constantly present with them. I'm a really big believer in those face-to-face meetings because the whole idea of doing Zoom all the time isn't that same touch point, especially if you're trying to deliver an enterprise capability. So for me, there are going to be programs that are going to be across the spectrum And we're hoping that those agencies are going to spend wisely and judiciously, but there is that case that there's going to be a lot of these unused funds. And in that case, I'm a big fan of submitting unsolicited proposals during this time period. I think that you'll realize that if you've been talking to these people already, so I'm I'm not saying brand new, net new people who have never heard of your company, but people have heard of you at least a little bit, they're interested, they're not entirely sure what they can do, try to offer some sort of... um, uh, end of year opportunities, some sort of special, some sort of spiff, if you will, for them to drive into to your to your capability and give it a shot. Make sure that they understand your value, and then go forward. You never know; those friend those funds may trickle down. And I've been very successful in those in the past. And I think if you have strong salespeople, they'll do a good job about positioning yourself. And so maybe you'll get money at the end of the year, and if not, you're teed up for next year. Really smart advice. Clark, what about you? I concur with Aaron entirely. Doing uh, reasonable, unsolicited proposals to position for you for money 
is critical for companies that are starting up their federal business. The challenge that we have is if you're doing it now, you may already be too late because contract deadlines for a lot of contract shops, they say they shut down and nothing new can come in uh, either be June 1st, June 15th or July 1st, unless of course you're aligned to the mission of maybe a C-level economic champion. Uh, but part of, again, kind of reiterate what Aaron was talking about is there are end of year funds you're going to have to spend. Go with the assumption there is going to be a CR October 1st for a period of time. If midterms go historically the way midterms will, will have gone, there will be no budget at the earliest until January of next year. There could be a year-long CR next year. So you, the use it or lose it funds are, are critical at this point for what federal organizations are trying to do with their business. Hey, Clark, what's, this is Louie. What's a CR? Some of our listeners may Continuing not Continuing resolution. There has not been an appropriations bill been authorized by Congress. So they're working under last year's budget, which also doesn't allow any net new starts. It puts some constraints, but at this point, most of us who have been dealing with the federal government long enough, we know how to work under a CR, as does the government. Great. Thanks, Luann, for providing that clarity for our audience. You know, one of the things that I think is really critical, and as I know we talked a little bit about in preparation for this chat, is, you know, if, if uh, July 1st is the first time that people are seeing you, then you're going to have some challenges, right? I know, Clark, you alluded to that a little bit. So brand awareness to me is like such a critical thing for a marketing organization um, to be able to make everyone sense that they feel like they see you everywhere. So that even um, as you're leading up and you've been doing all this great sales and marketing um, work to lay the foundation for this time, making sure that you've got a really strong presence happening um, so that you're top of mind, right? To all of those folks that you need to be thinking about uh, your company, your solutions. Um, and then also, you know, there's going to be some interesting um, dynamics around supply chain and some of the delays. And so just making sure that as you're communicating your messages, as you're working through your, your channel, you know, community and your partners, that you're working to kind of talk about what that might look like. Because while, of course, they can get funds allocated, what is the delivery going to look like? And can you make sure that you're being kind of transparent in your partnership with your government agencies as you talk that through? So um, again, lots of exciting things that I think are going to be happening as part of this year is um, allocating the funds and then as well as um, making sure you can deliver on them. Um, what about some things that you guys typically expect as you know a vice president of sales from your marketing team to help drive revenue for uh, the end of buying season? Clark, why don't we start with you? The realization that the marketing spend needs to be happening in the March, April, May timeframe to be able to influence awards that might happen in August or September. Uh, making sure the marketing team is translating commercial terms into all the wonderful government acronyms that we live in, and also making sure that marketing understands how long a campaign or an event goes into turning into a lead to turning into an award. There is nothing instantaneous about this process. And last but not least, understanding that in federal, there are different competitors, not only in COTS, but the government has something called GOTS, uh, which is a, another competitor that our headquarters marketing team has probably never heard of if you're in a smaller company. Great, Erin. How about you? Anything else to add there? Yeah, I mean, we're so early in the process, Stephanie, that for me, I'm really just super excited to have phenomenal support from my executive team to, to understand and recognize that a really well thought out federal marketing plan and using outside subject matter experts in your space that know federal really well is, is just critical. You just cannot take everything that you do for commercial and, and think that it bleeds into um, the, the federal the federal arena. And so I'm really blessed and lucky to have that sort of support. And so for me, when I look at how can that, how can my marketing team and the outside team I'm working with help me drive revenue, I look at it as let's continue to focus in on that evangelization, if you will, and that education on the market that we are trying to break into. Because a lot of the times, especially if it's you know a bleeding edge technology or it's something new in the you know AI space or you know document processing space, et cetera, it's hard to always know whether or not what you're doing for federal resonates. So what I do is I look at I look at our marketing team and and try to say, okay, what can we say better in our messaging? How can we stay fresh? What can we do to keep our brand front and center to your point earlier? I think um, SEO, truthfully, that search um, engine optimization as 
you know, some people might think, well, why is that a big deal? It's really a really critical piece because when you look back at how contracting officers go to find technologies, and I've dealt with all of them across the intelligence community, DOD and civilian, they are indeed looking to spend some money on year-end requirements. And often when they have to go out and do their market research, they're using SEO and they're going online and they're doing a Google search and they're trying to find companies that meet a certain criteria. And so I want to make sure that we're spending as much time and effort in this point going after making sure that people know who we are, what we bring to the table, and then hopefully they do a search and they find us. And it it leads to, to net new leads and maybe even some business. Yeah, that's definitely two great points. I think as, a, as somebody that's done federal marketing for the bulk of her career, it's one of those frustrating um, sectors of your budget that you know is so critical, but isn't always directly tied to ROI. And so, um, but from, you know, your perspective, and again, when people are searching for you, you have to come up above the fold so that you're top of mind and people can find you when they're looking for certain key search words and uh, making sure that there's some really strong marketing campaigns that are going around that. And then the other point that you made was around, um, you know, who's searching for those things, right? The procurement officials, the folks in the contracting shop. So my recommendation out there to the marketing teams is give those folks some love, like do some very targeted campaigns to those titles. Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, account-based marketing tactics that you can do and um, job function and title-based campaigns that you can use in order to be really effective in getting your message out to those folks. So I 100% agree with um, what both of you all have said around um, the ways that marketing folks can definitely help to move the needle a little bit during this time where there could be some shorter cycle um, activity that might be happening. Um, what, let's talk a little bit about channel partners and maybe how you're working with your channel partners, especially when you're you know, net new to the space. Your channel is um, being built out in some instances. A lot of times you're leaning primarily on a distributor to help support some of those efforts. So maybe if each of you could talk a little bit about how you're, you're partnering within your channel in order to be successful. Clark, why don't we start with you this time? So there's basically across the channel, three different areas. There's the distributor, the value-added resellers, and the federal systems integrators. And there needs to be a separate plan and strategy. I would recommend first, pick your distributor. Pick one that has a good federal ecosystem of resellers in all the appropriate uh, categories. With your resellers that that you think you're going to primarily do business with, make sure you understand who they typically sell. Are they solutions like yourself? Or are they monopolies like the Cisco's and the Microsoft's of the world? Because they may have different expectations on the level of work. Try to have weekly meetings with the, the value added resellers. With the federal SIs, that is always going to be a challenge because it's going to be aligned to procurements that they are the lead on. And you may not learn whether or not um, you win on that team until the entire government award happens. And then, of course, uh, after the protest period expires. So three-prong approach. That's great. Good point, Clark. Aaron, how about you? Yeah, I'm a big believer. Really get to know both your distributor and ideally you just go with one. Don't make it complicated. Go with one distributor and they can have those various resellers like Clark mentioned. But you really want to work with those folks and make it so that you're not only working with those potentially resellers that are in your space and those that you think that are going to be really beneficial to you, but look for those that sell your competition as well and figure out ways to incent them to work with you. If you put in some really great fee structure, some really good training, some really strong value add, and you show them that you want to be a long-term partner and you want to make that investment in them, it can go a really long way because they'll make an investment in you if you make an investment in them. And so for me, I'm very relationship oriented and I want to be able to go back and call in any single reseller I've ever worked up with in the past 25 years and know that I could work with them again, even if this is an entirely new space. I also think, um, you know, one of the really critical areas is know the agencies you're targeting and who you're who you're trying to work with. So as we talked about in our first segment about unsolicited proposals, Those folks can do a lot of that legwork for you. They have a really deep reach. They have a massive database of lots and lots of names and agency executives. So leverage them for what they can bring to the table. And then the last thing, I love, love, love working with SDVOSBs. And that is your small disadvantaged, you know, um, small businesses. Those outreach efforts to just identify small businesses that are owned and controlled by veterans and service-disabled veterans is not only the right thing to do, just philosophically, I think it's just an incredibly impactful way to help your business as well. 
So as a quick example, if you're looking at working with certain agencies, there are some that really rely heavily on those small businesses, and I love supporting them. And then there's some that work a lot with the 8A community. And so just really understand who you're trying to sell to, where you're trying to sell, and then match the partners accordingly, and it'll be a win for both of you. Yeah, that's great insight. And I think from the flip side, like if you're a, a retailer coming into the space, right, it's a little different as you're trying to hopefully demonstrate your value to OEMs and um, distributors and why, you know, you can be a potential partner for them. So working all of that is the relationship angle, right? So I think we've all touched on that a few, a few uh, points throughout this discussion here, but relationship building and relationship management is such a critical component for both sides, not only with obviously your end user of the government customer, but when it comes to building out your channel and being able to deliver and convey, you know, the value that you're going to bring to them as an organization. And, um, you know, some, some might think, oh, they're just going to lean on to my relationships, right, of, of who I know from the government customer. And so making sure that you're having that dialogue around what's the value that you bring to the table for them as well. How about, you know, Steffi, uh, another thing I wanted to mention with that is the channel is so important to the success. And if you're either listeners are on the OEM side or on the channel side, um, if you're on the OEM side, government marketers that are listening should really be tapping into what all the different marketing campaigns that your channel partners are planning and how can you jump on board and participate in those for co-marketing. And the same holds true on the channel side. Do as many one to many. So the channel partner creates a campaign, pulls in as many of their OEM partners as they can. So that's kind of a win-win all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that as a small business, marketing development funds definitely help to move the needle more quickly and getting your visibility and your brand out there. So great point, Luann. Um, any any thoughts around some missteps of uh, examples we've seen not successful in preparation for, um, for busy season? Erin, why don't we start with you? <laughs> yeah, I love this one. I love when everybody, it can be executives, it can be your account executives, they all think, well, wow, September 30th is so far off. I mean, it's not even August yet. And I'm thinking, you're so wrong. If you you honestly have to get so much done in the summer time frame that even if your agency folks are off on vacation and doing different things, you really need to have every I dotted and T crossed long before even, in my mind, September 1 rolls around, or else you're going to be scrambling to get your contracts done. And so my um, biggest tip to many people is if you do not have inside your organization somebody who not only can spell federal, but actually understands what FAR and DFAR is and knows federal contracting processes, go ahead and make the investment and look for and retain some outside counsel to help your internal commercial finance team. Because there's nothing as complicated as federal contracts. Now, of course, if you've gone through your distributor, if you've gone through a company like Kerasoft and they've been able to, to work through all of your deals, that's fantastic. But if for some reason you're trying to take a deal direct and you've never seen a 55-page federal contract before, they, have, they don't know what they're getting into. And so you really need to be very clear on your expectations about timelines and timeframes. So I tell my reps, don't, don't walk in the door with a net new contract that nobody has looked at to make sure that there's a technical buyer, there's an economic decision maker, there's champions, and bottom line, there's contracting paperwork in hand that we've been able to either redline or review or work with a partner to get closed. You're in for a long and a rude awakening if you don't actually get on top of that as early in the process as possible. Absolutely. Are you going to be sending some really nice cases of wine to try to uh, sweeten somebody up to get it get it going internally? Right. Clark, what about your thoughts, Clark? Uh, not much I can add to that. That was eloquently said. It would just be making sure that headquarters doesn't have improper expectations of you first. Because things go dark, they go, and you have no idea. And on September 28th, things could look great. And by September 30th, they're all bad. I've had that happen. I've had the opposite happen. So that is the you for world that we live in when you're not a brand name. Oh, so true. And I need to cut in here because we need to take another break. Uh, so you're listening to Market Chat, where we're talking today about insights from expert federal sales leaders. Market Chat brings clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network. Government Marketing University is an innovative learning platform that applies a collaborative, community-based approach towards knowledge sharing and skills development in the field of public sector marketing. 
experts from all corners of the U.S. public sector marketplace, marketers, thought leaders, government, media, and sales, are contributing their knowledge to this unique, content-rich platform. Government Marketing University offers training, research, certifications, mentoring, and community resources all in one place. Learn more at gmarku.com. Welcome back to Market Chat by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network, where we bring clarity to the clutter in government marketing. In this episode of Market Chat, we're talking about insights from expert federal sales leaders and who we have with us today is Erin Hawley. She's the VP uh, Federal for Instabase and Clark Campbell, the VP of Civilian for Tanium. Stephanie Geiger, I'm passing it back over to you to ask those final questions for this segment of Market Chat. Awesome. And this is a segment I'm especially excited about because there's always the fun dance between sales and marketing and what can we do to create stronger and more successful partnerships. And so we're going to dig in a little bit to this with these seasoned sales leaders. So Clark, let's start with you. Um, What have you done to successfully engage your marketing team to really ensure that everyone's got the same vision? um, And how are you kind of perfecting that dance between sales and marketing, which we know is a really critical component to overall federal sales success? Seasons code for old, but I'll go with that. Uh, it is truly understanding that sales is not marketing and marketing is not sales. There is a line of demarcation between the two of them. And what sales always wants more marketing and marketing wants more information from sales. So what I've always tried to encourage is that the sales team overshares account plans, strategy, invite marketing to meetings so they can be a fly on a wall with customers, with prospects for partners, so they can hear it from other people so we're not just always drinking the corporate kool-aid because the perception of outsiders on your company and your products and the solutions you're selling matters a lot more than what our perception of us is i love that that point i'm always waving the flag of having marketing have a seat at the table and i was in my career really passionate about making sure like for the quarterly business reviews that i was there and again making myself available whenever i could be a part of in front of customers or anybody else um, from the channel so i love that clark and that's a great a great tidbit. Um, Aaron, how about you? I agree with everything Clark said. I mean, truthfully, there is nothing that can be successful within a sales organization if we don't have everybody thinking and believing that we are all salespeople at heart, but marketing is so critical to the process. And so make marketing your friend, make sure that you do include them in every aspect of your business from every single weekly meeting I have, they're part of it. Make it understood that we are here as a federal organization and we want to align our messaging to not differentiate so drastically from what we've been able to do successfully in the commercial space, but we want to be able to leverage all that great expertise and and, and grab whatever um, expertise you can, you can from them and help them understand why it's so important of what we're doing here in the federal market, whether it's messaging, resources, collateral, you know, websites, et cetera. And I really believe that they'll be more bought into your team if you, if you help incorporate them into your team very uh, much so from the beginning. Yeah, I agree with that. I think even with folks that um, do hopefully go the path to be able to get those more um, senior um, contributors from a marketing perspective, if you outsource that, always making sure that they feel like they're integrated with your corporate marketing. So participating in their team meetings, the strategy discussions, so that they understand that you're not trying to be some rogue agent, right, that's going off and not necessarily aligning with Um, the higher level corporate strategies or the overall goals, but that you're there working to kind of translate what's going to make sense and distill it down in this federal space to be effective. Um, So, you know, you you talked a little bit, obviously, about um, making sure that everybody has a shared vision. Is there anything like specifically that you have done with your marketing organizations that you feel like has worked really well um, as far as being able to ensure that you're kind of getting what you need out of them um, in order to be as an effective um, as a sales leader and and get what you need happening in the market to be um, growing those revenue goals. Clark, how about you? So one of them is don't wait for the weekly call with marketing. If things pop up, talk frequently, share information in real time. That will help formulate kind of the overall policy. Make sure marketing understands we are likely not going to get a lot of customer quotes or references with names that can be published in the federal space. That is just the nature. Marketing always asks for references. We understand why. A little more complicated in the federal space. And one other thing would be always make sure from a sales standpoint, you understand what the corporate relationship is with the Gartners of the world, because Gartner matters. That is typically kind of the default source 
that a lot of procurement officials will go to to see who's in the magic quadrant, who, who's in the category of what we're trying to look at here. So make sure you have uh, that relationship cemented because a lot of times the Gartner relationship is driven by marketing at headquarters. Thank you, Clark. How about Aaron? Right. So my marketing team engages with my direct sellers and my technical team on a very often, probably almost a daily basis at this point, because we are new into the federal sector. And I think what expertise they bring to the table and sharing what is working and not working in the commercial sector is something that we rely on very heavily. In exchange for that, we also share with them and something that they've been able to really um, build on is I've made it very clear, we need to make a bigger and a better investment in competitive intelligence, those battle cards, if you will, and the research that they can help us incorporate. Because what they're seeing from a commercial sector might, might factor in, but our competitors might be very different. It could be the systems integrator. It could be a technology partner who is trying to come into the federal space with an offering similar to ours. And so I think it's really important that they understand we're all going for the same vision. We're all trying to drive to bringing a, a mission capability to an agency, but they've been very, very closely aligned with my team um, to making sure that we understand competitive messaging alignment on all factors. Yeah, I think that's really important because obviously, said, as you said, there might be commercial competitors that are different. Obviously, there's ones in federal and the same goes with all the messaging, we know sometimes that some companies just replace a few words and they think that commercial collateral will then resonate in the federal space. So all of that stuff right. is really important. You know, one of the, the other things I think that's important too is you're getting started um, and in partnership with them because then hopefully whatever budget is allocated towards your efforts can be spent more strategically is doing more agency-based marketing, right? So being very specific about um, the agencies that you want to target. Um, a lot of folks start kind of in the federal civilian space versus moving right into DOD, dependent upon what types of restrictions you might have around your, your product or um, hardware sales. And so I think that's something that marketing um, on the commercial side does really well from an account-based marketing perspective, um, but we'll definitely need a lot of guidance and support from you from a federal to understand like the types of titles that need to be targeted, types of job functions, um, and how to create personas if you will, kind of within your, your federal marketplace that will help to be effective. So that's just something that as marketers and sales leaders are thinking about the earlier stages, it's really important to set those frameworks um, to make sure you're not boiling the ocean and you can hopefully start more quickly showing a little bit of that return on whatever, um, whatever funds have been set aside in order to um, help support your efforts. Um, we, we talked a little bit on some of the things, because you were alluding to it a little bit, Aaron, about the ways that maybe marketing, corporate marketing specifically might hinder some of your ability to be successful. Um, is there anything else that you guys feel like is just kind of a totally like, will you like make you hit a wall or will totally hinder your ability to be successful with a particular agency that your, com your company's corporate um, marketing team might be doing and should know about? Clark, let's start with you. Uh, don't offer iPads as prizes. Make sure everything that is offered is 20 bucks or less because sometimes they're like, well, the contractors can still win. Well, now we've just insulted all the government folks. Um, also realizing whatever great merger and acquisition story ROI that the company may have with other customers is totally useless and federal. The last merger and acquisition that we did of substance was 1803, the Louisiana purchase. So not really something that happens in the space. And also understanding, and Aaron um, alluded to this earlier, ROI is calculated differently when you're dealing annual appropriations. So the ROI story is not always something you can take to the government uh, and leverage that commercial best practices. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, that's great. I feel like there are lots of companies that are like, oh, the financial sector will make this translate for like the Department of Treasury or something. And it's a very loose tie. Um, we see a lot of companies do that. So it's a great point um, and really making sure that you're being very targeted in your messaging and making sure that it's aligning with those, those true federal missions and the the desires of the, the needs that those departments have. Karen, how about you? Honestly, Stephanie, what you just said, that's the most important piece is that making sure that your messaging works for those agencies that you are trying to target, your collateral, your assets, your website, the events you go to, don't walk in with your you know big disclosure about everything you've done in, in financial services, nobody really cares. Making sure that you're addressing their need, their mission, and 
don't, don't in, in general, everything that you do when you're in this, in this role is you have to really customize it and address these very unique needs that each of these agencies provides. The Department of Education has no interest in what you're going to be talking to the Department of Navy for. And so take the time, hire your best people, and align, align your marketing efforts to coordinate with your personas, the agencies that you're targeting. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think, you know, time after time, you see that um, folks come in with these very general umbrella messages, and that just really doesn't resonate. So getting to know the agency and really understanding, um, again, what their strategic plan looks like and making sure that you're hitting on some of those critical core themes as you're um, creating campaigns. So it goes back to that, don't, don't boil the ocean, like really zero in on some places that you can be effective. And if there are use cases that are a little bit more multi-agency applicable, that being able to kind of understand it that way, but then still distilling it down um, to that particular agency. Um, okay, so we've got a little bit of time here to be able to kind of talk through some um, some final thoughts. So I wanna make sure that we've got some, some time for each of you and your wisdom to be able to share um, kind of your parting thoughts with our audience. Um, around just you know the your your experience throughout the the career of trying to start these practices, um, what what you've seen work not work and all that good stuff. So any any parting thoughts that you can share with our audience today, Clark? Let's start with you. Go in eyes wide open. It is a very scary endeavor. Now that I learned, don't be the first VP, be the third VP. Uh, but I was lucky enough to be the first VP for twelve years. It it was a great opportunity to be able to to grow that and had that until the company eventually got by. Uh, you're gonna work harder than you ever imagined you can work. That is just the nature of trying to start something up. And last but not least, make sure you explain to headquarters that once something goes into procurement, there is no magical person to call to move the deal forward. It is in procurement. So it's not like I can call up the SES or the general officer to say, please make this happen. And trying to explain that to corporate at times is a challenge. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Clark. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, not to discourage anybody, but obviously this is not a faint of the heart type of industry. And you've got to be in it and have that entrepreneurial spirit. I love that, Aaron, that you had shared earlier and really, um, you know, buying into the true reason behind supporting this um, important industry and the missions um, that we support on behalf of our nation. So, um, Aaron, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge believer, Stephanie, that right off the bat, when you're coming in to develop your strategy and your go-to-market for federal, the first and foremost thing, as I mentioned earlier, was have that support from your executives and your board, because without that, you're going to fail. When you have that, make sure that you then hire well. Don't hire people who have been at roles for less than a year or less than 18 months because the long-term position is that they might not be in it for the, for the truly rolling up the sleeves, diving in and doing a lot of the hard work. And so for me, I look at it as I've always been the first VP in and I've been there for a long time, let, you know, no less than five to six years at each company, because I really believe that if you have the right, the right technology, the best people, we have the best opportunity to go into these institutions, these agencies today, where we can solve some really, really hard problems and change the world for the better. And I don't mean that to wax poetic, I really mean that. I think that this is a space that I get up every single day because I want to help the mission of our federal government. And I know that coming together and bringing the right resources from sales, marketing, engineering, and all of the fun that goes behind it, we can do that. And I'm excited to be a part of this community for as long as I have been. That's great. And I don't think it's corny at all. I think it's like very, very much gives us all that extra, you know, shot of, um, oomph in our step, I think, when there are frustrating days or, um, you know, we feel like we're having to do that hard sell to make people understand the importance of what we're doing. But it really it really is a space that's an amazing part of our, our um, you know, role within supporting this country. Luann, you've been doing this for a long time. So I'd love to hear your perspective from kind of a marketer um, that's helped to support a lot of the companies that have been coming up through this um, industry, both from a reseller perspective to distributors you've worked for, as well as um, OEMs. Any thoughts, Kira, as well? Oh, many. You know, Stephanie, you've heard me say many times, my favorite thing is a big blank whiteboard, you know, because that's what you have when you're standing up a, a new federal practice. And, you know, mm -hmm. let me fill up with the strategy and then the tactics fall in below that. But I would say a couple of key takeaways um, that I came away with is a lot of marketers don't think about the you first 
the unsolicited proposal. So, you know, jump right. in with your sales teams and ask and your sales leaders, what is I as a marketer? What can I do to help? Um, we know that visual and graphics are becoming more and more popular within government. So make sure those UFRs aren't just all text, you know, get them involved in, in your design. Another thing is marketers really, and, and Clark touched on this, marketers really need to pay attention. And during January and June should be 80% of their annual budget. If they have annual budgets, if not, they have to ask for those monies um, ahead of time within the quarters. But that's where those monies need to be spent. If you're even beginning to think about being able to affect end of buying season. So those were my, I have many, but those are, you know, kind of my big takeaways. How about you, Stephanie, before we wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, similar. We know we've always kind of preached around um, when when you need to be spending your money. And I think that as organizations look at standing up these practices, again, it's being smart about where you're investing your money. Make sure that you're investing in a sales leader that's coming with experience and that has relationships. Make sure that as you're looking at developing your marketing strategy, that you're not hiring an entry-level marketer. While I love giving those folks an opportunity to get started in their career, this is not the right way to do it. Everyone's going to be frustrated and they're going to be like a deer in headlights trying to kind of help um, support as much as they can. So uh, I think smart investments is like my biggest takeaway um, to really help to demonstrate and be patient. I mean, this is not a short cycle industry. So you have to be willing to put in the investment and let it ride out in order to really see what's going to be able to happen and make a true assessment of whether or not, you know, a federal practice is a successful business entity um, for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, and with those final words, that brings this episode of Market Chat to a close. It's been a great one. I always love having experts on. So thank you, Aaron and Clark, for joining us today. And listeners, thank you for listening. Um, as we've been talking about insights from expert federal sales leaders from Market Chat, which brings clarity to the clutter in government marketing, brought to you by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to Market Chat, bringing clarity to the clutter. Sponsored by Government Marketing University on Federal News Network.